I just had this verse going through my mind as I listened to you, Valerie and Sheldon. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Welcome to Marriage Talk. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Valerie. Last week, we had the privilege of talking with Neil and Cheryl Josephson, and it was such a pleasure, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately, we ran out of time. (laughs) And so thankfully, they have agreed to come back. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with them about the trends that we all see in marriages that are successful and trends in marriages that are chronically struggling. Without further ado, let's jump into things again with Neil and Cheryl Josephson. Well, again, we want to say welcome to Neil and Cheryl, and thanks for giving us your time to come on back on Marriage Talk. As we've alluded to before last week, hey, actually, if any listeners haven't heard last week's conversation with Neil and Cheryl, we really encourage you to go back. And we feel there was some wonderful nuggets of life wisdom there, and we encourage people to go back there. But this week, we have them back, and Neil and Cheryl... As National Directors of Family Life, you've been involved in marriage ministry for 16 years, going on 17 years, if I if I remember correctly from our conversation. And there has got to be trends within marriage, within that time that you have seen. And so we would love to glean some more of your wisdom uh, for ourselves, as well as for our listeners that are out there. Uh, and so we have some questions where we want to talk to you today about Trends are out there. So welcome back to Marriage Talk. Yeah. And so coming us back, we think this should be a weekly thing. We like it. (laughs) Us too. That would be fantastic. (laughs) Good. We we would learn so much. I know. We could totally (laughs) set that up. We're not opposed to that. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. And so, so yeah, in your, in your 16, 17 years, have there been some trends that have kind of stood out for the marriages that are doing well, that seem to be able to have a lot of fun and get through their issues, uh, get through their struggles and differences, maybe what's some trends that you've seen in in those couples who seem to be able to get through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. And I guess we want to say to everybody, over the years, we've talked to people who've gotten through all kinds of stuff yeah. too. So we're not just talking about, oh, you leave the cupboard door open. I mean, we're talking about infidelities and uh, grief tragedies. And so what are the resilient characteristics? This is what you're asking for, right? Like, like are there common characteristics that seem to help people not just make it through, but even thrive through? And I'm going to give you one more preamble and then we'll answer your question. But that I think there are, there are trends for sure. There are things that, for example, when we first started doing marriage ministry, uh, devices and digital things weren't as prevalent. Mm-hmm. And True. so that has become more of a conversation. Yeah. But my preamble is relationships are relationships are relationships. Mm-hmm. Marriage from the beginning of time has dealt with some of mm. the same issues. And so while there are l- little trends that kind of come and go related to the culture we live in, the fundamentals of marriage are the same and have been the same from the beginning of time. <laughs> and the challenges we face in to becoming one. Uh, so w- we'll talk about some trends, but the overall trends really, I think, are the same, mm. have been for millennia. And I'll, I'll jump in with one thing that I think fits that category. This is not culturally driven or to the 21st century or whatever. I think marriages that succeed practice humility. Mm. And, <laughs> and it manifests in different ways. It uh, manifests in a willingness to learn. 
like, oh, I should get mentors. We should go to an event. We should read a book. We should listen to marriage talk. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a humility. And then there's a humility, which is, I, I want to serve you. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to serve you. Mm-hmm. I think those are characteristics that have been true of, of marriages over the ages. And, and we've seen it in the couples we work with. We see it in ourselves when we practice humility, when we're, when we're doing better, our marriage is better. Mm-hmm. And, and give you this again, uh, God's word is such a guide to us. It's the ultimate guide, the ultimate strength. There's a verse in first Peter. It says, God gives grace to the humble. Are you ready for this? He resists the proud. Mm-hmm. So until you're humble, God's against you. I mean, <laughs> that's this a sobering verse, isn't it? <laughs> it the is. God of the universe is actually working against you until you humble your heart. And so, yeah, a huge piece. Just to hitchhike on that, sometimes we read verses like that and we only think about a relationship with God. And of course, we're talking about humility before God, you know, confessing, repenting, being humble before God. But these verses apply to marriage too. So when we're humble with one another, put each other first, then God lifts us up and mm-hmm. gives us grace. So that is something we've seen in really healthy, godly marriages for sure. Mm -hmm. I would say kind of some more practical pieces are, I think, healthy couples have learned how to bring their full selves to the marriage, which inevitably creates conflict because they're really different people. And if you get to bring your whole self and you don't have to sort of pretend that you go along with what they say, or, you know, if you get to actually be your whole self, you're going to have conflict in your marriage. And so I think healthy couples have conflict, but they've learned that it's a, it's a healthy thing. It's a normal thing. It's actually a a really strengthening thing to learn how to do that well. Because if you say you have no conflict in your marriage, it's, Obviously, either one or both of you have disappeared. (laughs) And to be honest, in our first years of marriage, neither Neil nor I knew how to deal with conflict. We didn't, Mm -hmm. we didn't do it well. And I think it created unnecessary distance between us because we were afraid to fight. We didn't know how to do it well. And so we were afraid. And so I think we didn't actually get to bring our whole selves to the relationship early on because we didn't know how to do that. So healthy couples have learned how to do that, I think. And I would say uh, another characteristic that's true of all uh healthy couples that we know is um i'll do i'll say it i know okay respect yeah they've learned they've they 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 look at each other with respect yeah and it's not role-based it's not gender-based it's just you can just feel it they respect each other they respect who god has created their partner Mm -hmm. to be it doesn't mean that they're blind to the other person's fault and faults, but it means that they they just see what's good and respectable and and it in the other person and they dwell on those things. I mean, that's very biblical, but um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I have never felt I have always felt respected by Neil. Even when I wasn't behaving in a respectable manner, he still respected the essence of me. Mm-hmm. And that's so empowering and so strengthening. And it gives you so much ability. I think when you feel mm-hmm. respected, gives you so much ability to then be more humble and sacrificial. And I don't know if that's what you were going to say, but that's no, what I that's really good. Uh, I got one more thing. And then actually we're going to throw it back to our hosts mm-hmm. and, and see I what their perspective is. <laughs> okay. You guys gonna see, uh, what I was going to say is Successful couples have a strong sense of us. Ah, uh, yeah. When something comes up, when there's a problem to be solved, when they're talking about their future, it's always an us. It's not a me, you thing. Mm. And so while at any given moment, I might be playing a certain role or Cheryl might be playing a certain role, it always comes back to us. 
what we like to say at our events, right, is uh, your spouse is not your enemy. We are on the same team. And uh, I think successful couples manage to do that. Doesn't mean you don't have differences. It doesn't even mean you don't have conflict, but you resolve it from a position of us. Mm. Uh, Successful couples do that. Mm-hmm. Now you guys are yeah. a generation or two younger than us, <laughs> yes. so you haven't lived as many years, but you have eyes on a younger generation, and I'm wondering what you guys see. Yeah, what trends and what kind of things would you say make for a successful marriage? Oh, well, thanks for asking, guys. Yeah, and thanks for your answers. Yeah. Those are that's awesome. Humility and all respect, all that yes. stuff. Seeing each other as a team, so good. I think a trend that I've seen is couples who who want to have fun together, who want to play together, who want to yep. enjoy one another, um, because often that's what brings us together in the first place mm-hmm. is that friendship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in the in the day to day, if if we're not intentional, that can easily kind of slip away. And so I think that that it can definitely be a trend that helps us to succeed and remember what yeah. we so enjoyed in the beginning about each other. Yeah, I guess I should have went first because uh, you're just stealing my answers here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tends to happen, I guess. Uh, here, I, so let me add to it to uh, would be making time for each other that you actually make your relationship a priority in our seasons of marriage when we really did not make each other priority and we were poorer for it. Whereas mm-hmm. now we actually schedule time together. Like, you know what? It, it's not like the movies where just dates just happen. At least that's not been our story. <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> We've had to schedule time and actually look ahead and say, no, Thursday night, we're going to go for a date Thursday in the afternoon. We're going to have coffee. And then we actually hold it and honor it where we won't move it. Where if we get asked to attend another meeting, it's like, Oh, sorry. I'm already booked uh, because we are going to make time for each other, mm-hmm. showing each other our, a priority. And then the other piece that I don't know if this is a trend or just something that's been happening in our lives is Proverbs. It talks about iron, iron sharpening mm-hmm. iron, and we can actually sharpen each other in our marriages. We can actually hold each other accountable. We can have hard, honest conversations when our spouse is sinning or is stepping out of line. And I think healthy marriages, that would be a trend that we're even learning and have learned over the years is how to sharpen each other in our walk with Christ uh, as parents uh, in our relationship. Mm -hmm. That was a struggle for me because like you said, Cheryl, when you don't bring your whole self, Mm. there's something missing. And I didn't know how to do that because Mm -hmm. my personality, I love peace. I love everybody to get along and, and I didn't know how to have healthy conflict. Now you had a husband though, who was also overpowering, overbearing, (laughs) uh, showed lots of frustration. And we were on the extremes for sure. And so we had to figure that out. Yeah. But when we learned how to do conflict well, then we could be that iron sharpening iron in both of us receiving it from each other. Because it's easy to to bring something up that's hurtful or out of line. And, you know, our, our pride kind of kicks in and we're not re- willing to accept that. But mm-hmm. if we can, you know lay down that pride and have that humility like you talked about mm-hmm. then we're able to receive that and we are able to be that um that for each other of yeah, yeah uh, even refining. if you have bedrock of respect then you can hear hard things from each other because you know mm-hmm. your partner fundamentally a 
loves you and cherishes you, but secondly, respects who you are and respects yes. your opinion. So then you're more free to be able to bring that to the table. So it, it all ties together. You're right. That, yeah, that humility and respect for each other. It, it just creates such a atmosphere of health. Yeah. Yep. And to do it well, yes. right? Like we, we can, we can do it in a way that's really damaging, or we can do it in a way that's kind and loving and is heading towards that goal of growth and change. And I love you. And so therefore I'm, I'm going to bring this up because I don't want it to be right. yep. building this wall between us and, and causing us to be further apart. Yep. And so there, there's a way that we can do that. That's really healthy, but then there's a way that's not healthy. And yeah. so yeah. that might be another, another kind of piece of a healthy marriage that we've seen is when they they know the difference between things that have to be resolved and worked through and things that can just be let go. Yeah. And I think you don't know that when you're first married. You don't know those things. You learn those over time. And I think the quicker you learn, the better it is. Like sort of like, oh no, 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 no. I can't just let this one go. We actually have to talk about this one. And I realize it's going to create a conflict, but it's important enough that I'm going to I'm going to go there. Mm -hmm. as opposed to I'm just mad about this and irritated by this, mm. but it's really not a big issue. I have to let this go. And so I think learning the difference uh, we've seen that in, in healthy couples too. Yeah. They fight over, they, ha they have big fights over big things, yeah. but mm -hmm. they don't have big fights over little things. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a fire analogy that so Valerie's, uh, the father, Valerie's dad, before he retired, worked with Saskatchewan Forestries where he fought fires. And I asked him, like, why don't you fight every single fire? And his answer is lining up with what you said. He goes, because the little fires will burn themselves out. We actually don't need to go fight every fire. And that's what we're saying here in marriage, because some of those fires are actually internal fires that really we just need to wrestle with internally because it is my pride or it is something internally that I have to deal with. We always say even that to that, though, we enjoy having those conversations of like, here's what God's doing in my life. Like, here's what I'm realizing in my life. And so we invite our spouse into that. Like, this is what I'm processing. Mm -hmm. And then it's presented as a I'm processing versus a you're at fault or a, an argument. So anyway, it just reminded me of that, of an, of a conversation that I had with Valerie's dad, but those are some positive trends. Now, unfortunately there are couples that do chronically struggle that do not seem to be able to, they take that, you know, one step forward, two steps back, and they kind of stay in those cycles. What would be some trends over the years that you have seen for couples that have that chronic struggle? Well, I, I want to say in a lot of ways, I think it's harder to be well-married and stay well-married. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm saying that is the trend, or if we're talking trends, people get married uh, later. Okay. So it's clearly demographically true. Uh, people choose to get married later. And what that means is if you've lived well, you're going to be more mature when you bring it. But I would say for a lot of people, getting married later means you have more baggage when you come, more broken relationships. You've probably got sexual baggage because you've been sexually active, like you haven't stayed a virgin until you're 30. And I'm just shooting straight. Oh, <laughs> this is what the trends are. And so you, so you deal with all this on top of the normal trying to blend two lives into a marriage. So I think you bring more into it. I was going to say, though, but one of the other things is the extended adolescence. I think that's a trend. You which know, is where, partly why people get married late. Which is partly why mm -hmm. people get married late, mm -hmm. yeah. But it, it ties together. Yeah. So, so uh, that's that's definitely a trend. 
that we see, I think, um, Dr. Scott Stanley's uh, coined the phrase sliding rather than deciding, I think, as cohabiting goes up, which is a trend. And Dr. Stanley points out, you know, people, they date, then they start being sexually active, then it starts like, well, why don't you just stay over? And then it's like, why have two apartments? Let's just have one. And, you know, it just makes sense. And you slide into it. And then and then perhaps uh, there's a pregnancy. Now you share a child. And, and uh, his point is too many people, when they just slide that way, they wake up at some point and go, I didn't choose this. I didn't choose to to be with this person for life. I didn't choose to be a parent. It just happened to us. And so I now I don't want to overstate it, but I think that is a trend. Cohabitation is clearly on the rise. Statistically, it's a trend. And it never calls the commitment question. Is this the person I intend to be with my whole life? Mm-hmm. And and same thing with do we choose to be parents together? It, it makes a difference mm-hmm. when you choose these things and commit to these things. But I think there's a trend where some of this isn't happening. These choices aren't being made. They just slide into them. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of things that come to my mind. Yeah. And I would say that um, I referenced di- the digital realm and the yeah. online world. I just think we are living so much of our lives virtually these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. I think it it's making it more difficult for us to have real connection, real face-to-face emotional connection. I think uh, we've learned how to shorthand emoji our, our lives mm-hmm. and people are losing the uh, ability to articulate deeper things. So we're, we're one inch deep and miles broad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we've lost the ability. And I'm not just saying younger couples. I think all of us have fallen into this. We've lost the ability to go deep mm-hmm. <laughs> and be articulate about what's deep. And so I think we're living these fast paced seemingly connected lives, but we are disconnected at a really deep emotional level. So I think that's affecting marriages for sure. And I think that's a trend that's only, I I would say it's only going to get worse, except that I think people are starting to wake up to it. I think they're starting to like, oh my goodness, this is so unsatisfying. And I think COVID helped us. It a technology saved us in some ways. It gave, um, families a way to stay connected people a way to stay connected but it also showed us the the emptiness really of just having a digital reality mm-hmm. and how we we actually do need mm-hmm. eyeballs to eyeballs knees to knees touch 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 we, mm-hmm. we need those things in order to stay healthy so i think those are some trends underlying all of that i think unhealthy couples have not learned to put the other person first which again, we've acknowledged is really hard to do. It's a lifelong process and a lifelong challenge, Mm -hmm. but unhealthy couples have never even tried to do that. Mm. It's a competition and it's a control. It's a control struggle for who gets the say in their marriage. And I also think unhealthy couples have not learned to see their partner the way God sees them. Mm. And I think that's why having God in your life and in your marriage makes all the difference because God gives you eyes to see things in your partner that Mm. you may not see on the surface. So um, in our last week conversation, we referenced Neil's struggle with pornography in a season of our marriage. And man, it was really hard to see him in my human eyes. Mm. All I saw was this like pornography on his forehead. It's like, that's all I saw when I looked Mm. at him. And I think I had to really ask God to help me to see beyond that and to see 
to back to this lovely man that I'd fallen in love with and that he didn't disappear. He was still there. I just couldn't see past the pornography too. And God gives you eyes to see things you can't see in your human strength. And I think couples who struggle are just operating on their human level and they've missed the opportunity for the help that God can bring. I know that sounds like a sermon. I'm sorry, but I just honestly believe that. It's very profound. Mm -hmm. Two things real quick, uh, and one of them is to hitchhike on the pornography. There's no question that that's a growing negative trend that we've seen. Yes. Pornography is much more common, much more prevalent than 17 years ago when we started into yes. uh, into uh, marriage ministry full-time. And the stats bear that out. It's more prevalent. More people are doing it, and they're using more of it. And the porn itself has gotten – it was always unhealthy, but more more violent, more um, disrespectful. It's, it's, that's a trend for sure. And then the second thing I think over the 17 years, we've seen this paradox between marriage, too much is expected of it. Uh, that there's, you know, the Jerry Maguire, you complete me, all my problems will go away. All I need to do is marry you because you'll, I'll never be lonely. My self-worth problems will go away. Uh, my hair will come back. You know, I don't know. But, you know, everything that's wrong with me can be solved if you're the right one. And so you have this huge thing. And then because it's such a myth and then the problems don't all go away, then we have concurrently this really disposable view of marriage, which is, oh, you're not the right one. So the sooner I cut and run, the better, because then I'll find the right one. Yeah. And and so I think I think that thinking is out there and not rare and it didn't used to be that way 20 years ago it's more so that way yeah yeah i would agree yes one sociologist esther perel says that we've never had higher expectations for marriage than we currently do we expect one person to fulfill what an entire community used to have to you know the needs that an entire community would meet we expect one person to meet and we just put way too much pressure on that marriage relationship I want to ask you guys what you see, but I'll also just point out, you know what else has changed in 20 years? Weddings have gotten way more expensive. It's crazy. Like you can just see this chart, like what people spend and invest in weddings, which is funny because maybe they don't, they're not as committed to their marriage afterwards, but man, the wedding, the wedding. show is unbelievable. I think COVID might've well, maybe been a bit of a mid-course correction for us society. Yeah. yeah. Because people had to have smaller weddings. And I can't tell you how many okay. couples we've talked to that said, oh, it was so freeing. We had 50 yeah. people in a backyard and it was we awesome. Did, yeah. And I think I think maybe COVID's going to give us that mid-course correction, but I don't know. What are you guys seeing? What do you see? Yeah. yeah. Well, we can let you know. If, I mean, if our kids, if our daughters and children, our son, if they get married, we'll let you know if uh, the smaller weddings continue or if they... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, I hope it is a lasting thing because it, it is a sad thought to go into your marriage relationship after this big celebration wedding mm. with piles and piles of debt. Yeah, that yeah. really isn't necessary. Extra burden yeah. you don't need. Yeah. 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 I thought it was going to be cheaper, but okay. Yeah. No, it's uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go there. the trends that we've seen. I, I would just hitchhike and, and pick up on two other ones, too. And you alluded to a little bit of this, but. I would call it the individualistic language. Okay. Right? It's my yep. house, my truck, my this versus our. Yep. And so just seeing mm-hmm. ourselves as a team, seeing ourselves, this is our debt. This is our bank account. Our bank account. This is our children. We we were visiting with a couple and the husband said, My son and the wife just and they were such a lovely, it was a, they like were they were joking. Yeah. And she goes, you know. 
I'd really appreciate it if you said our son. He was 10 pounds. I kind of had a big thing to do with that. Like, it was just, anyways, it was so funny. That's a pet peeve of mine, actually. When yeah. people say my yeah, son, yeah. Mm -hmm. and especially if their partner's standing right there, mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. you guys, it's, well, it makes me think now that maybe they're a blended family. Oh, and that right. is yours. Which might be true. Which might be true, but I right. think. A lot of times, you know, it's your joint yeah. child, and yet yeah. you're calling it my. I, that's a pet peeve, and I think it's symptomatic of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. We think of ourselves as individuals, yes, yeah. versus versus the relationship. So that'd be one, and then the other one. There just seems to be this lack of tenacity that things mm. get difficult, mm. whether it be our work, whether it be introducing kids into the marriage, because. Well, that's difficult. Life changes. I love all all of our I love our three kids, but our marriage changed when we introduced. Now, actually, <laughs> our story is let me different. let me run that up because we already had our son before we got married. So there's some other things there. So let me just say that marriages it changes when you introduce kids into it. Right. But there's this. I, I find that couples that are really struggling, there's this lack of tenacity to even dig into the problem to dig into their own selves. Like we, we scare, we're scared to go on the emotional level in our own lives because we're afraid of what that's going to reveal about us mm -hmm. versus when I go there in my own life, I come out stronger. I, 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 I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend, uh, right? Like, because I can identify things that are my shortcomings. And so I think one of the trends I see is this lack of tenacity when things get tough, how to navigate through that. We just haven't, whether this be from parenting, the, the this generation of, of parenting of, I guess it's called helicopter parenting, or just always trying to While parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't have this and my kids are going to have everything and I'm never going to let my kids struggle. And so then they grow up and they're adults, but they've actually never learned how to struggle. They've never learned how to solve a problem on their own. And so as parents, can we, if a child brings us a problem, can we first take a step back and say, how would you solve this? Or mm -hmm. how would you do things differently? One of the things we have in our family, if you're going to complain about something, you have to have a solution. You have to have, mm -hmm. what would you have done differently then? Because it, we're trying to teach our kids to problem solve through a, through a situation versus just complain or say it's difficult. And sometimes we just say, life's difficult. We've got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. How are we going to deal with it in a healthy way? Now we can support them as, as parents and we should support them as parents, but sometimes I, I don't think we need to solve it for them. Mm -hmm. Let them struggle. Let them not know the answer. Let them create some tenacity and some resolve in their life, which I believe would then help them in their marriages mm -hmm. as they get older. Yeah, so good. It's a one, one of the things we teach is to measure the caliber of your relationship and your marriage by how, how much you've been able to endure together and mm -hmm. stay healthy rather than by how nice it feels. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that there's a there's a fluffy view of love like, the best love just it always feels nice, you know, and I think you go to the Bible in first Corinthians 13, remember it says love endures all things, mm -hmm. love hopes in the midst of all things, you know, I mean, bears all things, love bears all things. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I think that to measure the quality of our marriage by the things that we've been able to endure and still care about one another and still remain committed to one another. What if that's the standard mm -hmm. and not just, 
how many nice feelings we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. not to ask you're talking about. the nice about. feelings, though, too. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, they, they do, actually. Yes. That's how they come. Yeah. 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 So true. I think something that I've seen is um, a lot of damage from wrong teaching that people have either come across, internalized, seen, modeled. And so some really wrong thinking, teaching ideas about relationships, about life, Mm. about um, parenting. And about sex. Yeah. Yeah. um, Sexuality, yep. Yeah. And so then we, we, we have that and we think it's true. And so then we try to apply it and we think, well, it's not working because of my spouse or my child or this external circumstance, instead of thinking and critically thinking is what I'm believing true and good. And is that how it actually is? Or did I just get some wrong teaching and it's steering me somewhere that's really unhealthy and so I think um, that's something that I've seen and uh, and that's something that I really love about family life is trying to get the message out there of some really solid biblical truths okay. of relationship and marriage and how God designed it. What's the purpose yeah. for mm. marriage and family and children and community? Because God had a really specific purpose to yeah. create a place for people to flourish, to yeah. grow, to right. be refined in, and so many wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And so if we can get that message out there, I think that would help a lot of people to uh, to just have some good teaching mm-hmm. and hopefully be able to recognize the bad. Mm-hmm. Which is why, so good. Which is why people <laughs> need to keep listening to Marriage Talk because yeah. you're, <laughs> you're trying to do that. And good I think you. you're so wise because we spend so much of our married life dealing with the behavioral level and we don't get up into the belief level. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's yeah. where we actually change the, if, if our beliefs change behavior changes. And I think we spend so much time and get so frustrated with trying to change behavior. And if we haven't changed the belief piece, then we're just going to mm-hmm. deal with the same things over and over again. So you're so wise. And I think that is fundamentally what family life is about is trying to kind of change the conversation around marriage, change the picture around marriage so that we have, yeah, a way healthier belief system. And out of that, the behaviors can improve. Yeah. So good. Uh, so good. That's awesome. You put you what you said on a poster. That was <laughs> that good. <laughs> a really big business card. That's what. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so good. Um, so you know what? We we are just about out of time. It has flown by. Ah, it it's been so by. much fun to hear from you guys. But if if you could give one piece of advice to all married couples, what would that one thing be? I I need to think of it more. So please go ahead if you have an idea, Neil. If you're going to choose to be married, go all in. Mm. Just go all in. It's not a deal, it's not a contract, it's not a pilot project you go all in if it's hard get help because mm. we we're always trying to be honest at family life and on marriage talk like sometimes there are difficult things but i would just go uh just go all in make the promise you know and traditionally whether you use these traditional words or not it's like in sickness and in health in in wealth or or poverty you know we're gonna be all in and uh i just think um if you haven't made that commitment i, I encourage you to do it maybe recommit to it mm. uh, because, you know, we can drift a little bit and and we can slip a little bit. 
man, that's the anchor of just what we believe about marriage. And I think what the Bible teaches about marriage and, and um, what we want for everybody. Mm-hmm. That, that's probably what I'd say. I would say be the healthiest person you can possibly be. Because mm-hmm. if two people who are healthy come together, your chances of success are a lot better. But let that not be discouraging for people who've come into marriage with with some stuff and some mm-hmm. baggage and some junk from their past and some brokenness maybe from other relationships. I think marriage can also be this beautiful place of healing from brokenness. I think God designed it that way. It's where our brokenness comes to light, <laughs> you know, but I think it's also a place that can heal that mm, brokenness. It and is. So I would say, yeah, be as healthy as you possibly can as an individual. And and I think, again, why we need God in our lives, because he can heal us from the inside out. Mm. Um, but that's the recipe for success. Two mm. healthy, whole people entering into a healthy, whole God honoring relationship. That's the recipe. Mm. So good. You wish for everybody who's listening. I wish it was easy enough yeah. to say, you know, the just read this book. <laughs> but it's a lifelong process. Oh, because here's the other thing: when you're healthy and well and whole, you have the capacity then to put somebody else, somebody else's needs right. ahead of your own, because you're not so desperately in need yourself. That, and I think that's when you're two broken people who need. So much from each other. We can't possibly do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then inevitably we become frustrated and disappointed mm-hmm. in the marriage relationship. Whereas if we're if we can find in God our healing and our wholeness and our then we're we're so much more right. able to be then humble. We give, and we're yeah. so much more able to yeah. be sacrificial, which again is the recipe for success. Mm-hmm. So good. Love it. How so about we you guys? Do you, uh, <laughs> you knew we were going to turn it around. I thought we could have got away with that one. <laughs> Almost out of time, but we have time for that. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess I just have to share from my own experience. What made all the difference is when I surrendered everything to God. I've been mm-hmm. a Christian my whole life, but there's been just really uh, key moments where there's been a re-surrendering because mm-hmm. I've, I've either wandered or drifted or, or tried to figure things out on my own. And when I surrendered everything, my marriage, my myself, my kids, my happiness, everything, surrendered it to God and said, you know what, God, I give it all to you. I trust you no matter the outcome, even if it's not what I'm hoping for and praying for. I trust you. Mm -hmm. It was in that surrendering to God that there was peace and joy and freedom. And so I guess my piece of advice would be if if you are a Christ follower to surrender. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, and you've never heard of that, you don't know what I'm talking about. I would encourage you to to seek God. He promises that Mm -hmm. if we will seek him, we will find him. Mm -hmm. He will reveal himself to us. And so that would be what I would say. Yeah, it's one of my favorite promises in the Bible. Draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. And we can hold true to those words. God is faithful when we are faithless and and he is crying out for us to, to come back to him. And so as much as I would want to say, be friends, keep being friends, do what it takes to be friends. I've got to tip over with Valerie and just surrender our lives to God. It changed everything for us. And I always share this too. Whenever anyone asks you the question like, oh, if you could go back and what would you change about your life? And I used to always say, you know what? I wouldn't change anything because in the past, my past is what's made me the the person I am today. 
I always say now I will, I would change that answer. And I would say, I would, I never would have walked away from God. Mm. Mm. I would have held on to his truths mm. in my darkest seasons mm. of life, because mm. I don't actually think I would have ended up in my darkest season of life. If I just would have held on to his promises okay. that he is enough that he is a good, good father, all the things we read in scripture. And so now I would change my answer to what would I change in my life? I just never would have run away from Christ. I never would have tried to do it on my own. I would have invited him into the whole journey. And then I could walk into marriage and I can invite my spouse into that journey with me. Uh, so that would be my one last piece of advice out of everything, learn what that means. Reach out to a Christ follower. If if what we've said is confusing and you don't have a reference point to that, contact Family Life. Uh, contact Valor and I. We'd love to uh, begin a conversation of what that could look yeah. like in your life as you process mm-hmm. marriage, process parenting, process singleness. Christ is enough in mm-hmm. all those seasons of life. Preach it. And I feel like now the podcast is complete because Sheldon has cried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really a teaching session. It's not really a meeting. It's not really a podcast until Sheldon has cried. Oh, so yeah. check, could, check the box. I just I had this verse going through my mind as I listened to you, Valerie mm-hmm. and Sheldon. Seek first the kingdom of yeah. God mm-hmm. and all these things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. And that means perhaps a spouse or joy back into your marriage, or harmony in your home. You know, I, I think these things will be added onto us. That's the promise. If, but it's conditional. Mm-hmm. Some of God's promises are conditional. And this one is seek first mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So wise, you guys. Such wow. good words. Well, thank you so, so much yeah. for joining us and sharing your wisdom and your lives. It's mm-hmm. been such a blessing and such a pleasure to mm. spend this time with you. And yeah, we're going to we're going to try to come up with a question here to throw to our listeners. Hopefully there's been something that they've been able to uh to grab and yeah. to to maybe chew on a little bit and see some nuggets. Yeah, yeah. how it applies to their lives. Yeah. But I guess uh a question that we would throw out there is have any of these trends that we've talked about today impacted your marriage? Yeah. And uh and if so, what can you do about that? Mm. What's what's a next step that you can take? And another question is, what's one piece of marriage advice that you would give to someone else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe Thanks they should for- send it in to us. Get them to send oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Their, piece, their marriage sure advice. Around. That would be fantastic. That would be great. Yes. No. So please, if there is a marriage advice, what's one piece of marriage advice that you would give to couples contact family life Mm -hmm. or send it to us personally i don't think we've ever released our emails on the podcast but here we go Uh, (laughs) valerie at familylifecanada.com or send it to sheldon at familylifecanada.com we would love to hear what that one piece of advice would be thank you again neil and cheryl for joining us uh, for two weeks in a row thank you to the listeners that are out there and we will talk with you next week bye bye for now